Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It is an all-in. It is 101%. It is totally episode 89. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the man who's all in himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I am totally all in for this episode, as well as this series, as well as the whole show. How are you feeling on this fine Monday morning? I'm feeling energized. And what I'm enjoying is that if we thought Nicholas Taleb had a lot to offer in the first show, if we thought the man who has authored great books such as um, Anti-Fragile, Black Swan, just when you thought there could be nothing left in the Taleb bucket, there is still some more. I mean, this one that we're covering today, it speaks to me so much. This one I was super excited to really get into because I believe we've got so much to learn about it. So Mike, can can I give it away? Can I tell our listeners what we're getting into today? Well, I think they're totally in the game. I think they're 100% ready, so hit them up. We're going to get into Skin in the Game, one of Taleb's most uh, provocative and and actually practical books, fundamentally, when you're going through it. As an econometrician, as an essayist, you know, we really got into the uh, cognitive way of thinking about fragility and pushing ourselves last week. This week, it's all about figuring out what does it actually mean in the world, in our Mm. jobs, in our societies, when we go all in, when we commit ourselves to really pushing ourselves and doing the best work we can in everything around us, not even just in the job perspective. I think what Taleb's saying here is in family, in friends, like I say, in society, when you go all in, then you're really committed and you're making that big difference. And I think it's such a great book. Yeah, I think uh, what everyone's got to look forward to in the show today is the rewards of being all in, the rewards of effort. And it's not always perfect. We're certainly going to learn that. It's not always easy, but actually not only does Taleb set this up to being good for you, it's good for those around you. And I think that is what's so exciting that he has been able from his lofty uh, tower of economics, he has seen the world, he has framed the world, and he has come up with these rules, which he has in, intrinsically learned through working on the stock market. But what we have today is, as you said, Mark, an incredibly practical journey and adventure to learn from the man himself, Nicholas Taleb. And uh, this is going to be full of practical advice. But what I also want to set up is that even though he comes at his lessons and philosophies from a very unique perspective, he has this incredible capacity to intersect with some of the other great innovators that we've studied on the show. So not only will we hear today from Nicholas Taleb, but we're also going to hear from one of our audience favorites, Brene Brown, and uh, not to be outdone, also from Steve Jobs himself. So there we have three people, Nicholas Taleb, Brené Brown, Steve Jobs, all intersecting in these wonderful ways, these lessons of life, of doing our very best work. So this is going to be an exciting adventure. Uh, we, have, we have scoured the world for eight beautiful clips that really display and showcase the thinking of Nicholas Taleb Mark, are you ready? I am ready. When I think back to anti-fragile, this idea of you know embracing uncertainty, I must admit, I'm pretty certain that this is going to be a solid <laughs> action-packed episode. So I'm not sure how anti-fragile I'm being today because I just know the audience are going to love these clips. Awesome. Well, um, I think it might be time to hear from the man himself, Nicholas Taleb. Let's have a listen to him talking about skin in the game. I believe in something I call skin in the game. 
Okay, skin in a game is, uh, by defined skin in a game, it's both moral and effective to remove risks, is that nobody should ever put someone else at risk. I don't really care about compensation, okay? I don't really care about uh, uh, ranking because you can't have a trading competition because someone has a strategy that pays off very rarely, okay? He will lose in the competition, he'll lose every battle and win the war, you see? So you can't really rank traders, but there's one rule I have, I call it skin in the game, is that nobody should put others at risk without having harm to himself, okay? In other words, if you lose money to your clients, you should be exposed to the same risk. That, that's sort of, it, it both moral and risk management rule. Risk management, because in Hammurabi's code, it was simple, if the architect builds a house, and the house is fragile, but hidden fragilities in a basement, you get the idea, we're, we're in the foundation, uh, like in a bank system, banking system, they look very stable, but they have the, the cut corners that nobody will see, okay, to make the bonus. And, and if the house collapses, the architect is penalized. That was in Hammurabi's code. Actually, he's put to death if the house collapses and kills the owner of the house. So this system, Okay, is the best, this is the best risk management rule because as Hammurabi discovered, but something they forget today in Washington, the architect or engineer knows a lot more about the risks. He doesn't know a lot about the risk, but he definitely knows a lot more than the inspector, you see? So if you make people eat their own cooking, you see, they're a lot better off, okay? And, and, and someone sent me, uh, read my book, and sent me something, uh, a story in Brazil, where they discovered that they could lower the rate of helicopter crashes by forcing helicopter engineers randomly to take a ride, a half an hour ride, <laughs> once a month in a helicopter, all right? Now, so, for example, it's something the Romans knew and Victorian knew that you make engineers sleep under the bridge, all right? Okay, so in trading, what do you do? So long as whoever, whoever is involved in a strategy has losses, small, okay? It doesn't matter, all right? Has losses, if he can harm others, in other words, you has some incentive, but some disincentive, then we should be okay. It's when people don't have this incentive when they lose that the system blows up. Have an incentive and sleep under the bridge. <laughs> Eat your own cooking. <laughs> Eat your own cooking. It's great. You know, it, it guarantees that these individuals that you care and that you work hard to make it your absolute best if you're the one who's going to receive it. And I don't know, I, I, for me, that, that's a really good reminder at every time, you know, I pick up the phone or I reply to an email or I do a bit of work, knowing that it's something that is going against, uh, you know, something that I've done and valuing the, the impression that I'm making, it makes perfect sense to me. Mm. You know, I, I want this to be... Um, the best it can be because I feel as though I'm making the effort to do it, right? Absolutely. And um, the this idea of if you're going to repair a helicopter, repair it like you know you're going to fly it. You're going to build a house, build it like you're going to live in it. You're going to cook a meal, cook it like you would cook for yourself. I think that this uh, incentive of pains and gains depending on the outcome is very important to realize because a lot of what has, um, you know, inspired Taleb's writing is you'll hear him talk a bit about the market or trading. And we don't want to get too lost in the ins and outs of economics and the stock market. But what he he's essentially pointing to is something that we may have all heard a lot of during 2008 and, and beyond, which is this idea of too big to fail. And what uh, he talks to is the danger of having um, organizations like these big banks behaving in a way where they don't have a downside when they know that the government will bail them out. And he talks about the harm that this can create because when people behave, when they cook like they're not going to eat it, when, like they repair the helicopters like they're not going to fly it, if they don't have skin in the game, they won't operate in the best manner possible in the right way. They will be self-serving. They will cut corners. 
And this is really at the essence of what Taleb is talking about. Everything we should do should have the accountability like eating the food that you're cooking, like living in the house that you're building. And I think that if we can always provide for others as if we were the recipients, uh, if we can create this accountability, I think it just helps us stay on a straight line. To me, I love this idea of these Brazilian pilots being um, put once a month on the helicopters <laughs> that, the, that they're servicing. So the very guys that are repairing the helicopters are going to get a, a random flight in the helicopter once a month, and they just improved the way they serviced the helicopters and they had better performance. So I think we can get lost in our modern world about the right incentives. And I think what he's doing here, Nicholas Taleb is pulling us back on course and saying, you know, eat your own food, have skin in the game. I, I love this. And I love the fact that it's an economist that, that is, is giving us these philosophies that could be a Simon Sinek, a Brene Brown. It's, it's just fascinating to me, Mark, that someone who sees the world in such a binary macro world can distill such powerful human truths. Yeah, he's, he's, he's making these realistic and easy to imagine uh, scenarios like helicopter engineers going for a ride, that accountability. <laughs> you know, you're right, he, he's removing the ones and the zeros and he's putting it into a, an easy to digest and imagine way. And that's why Taleb is so powerful. And this is what we saw you know, last week with Anti-Fragile, you know, getting excited about being comfortable, the post-traumatic growth, all of those concepts that, you know, you could go into on a really, really, like you say, binary fashion and actually break them down into easy to understand and therefore practical tips. That's what really, really comes through in Taleb's work. Totally. And, totally. and that accountability in that First clip, first clip out of the whole episode, he's straight in there and he's already making us think, okay, well, if I was an engineer here, this is what I should do. And that's easy, practical advice that we can do straight away. Whew. Good old Taleb. We're off to a good start, but Mark, I don't think he's stopped yet with his great metaphors, analogies, and stories. Do you? No. And this next clip, uh, which I think is, is a really, really great one. Um, especially if you've been to, you know, the towns of Italy and so on. And again, it's a wonderful demonstration of Taleb as a thinker. He's again, distilling it down into a way that we can imagine ourselves when we interact with others. So this next clip that we're going to hear from Taleb is about how, if you're going to be really invested in something, you've got to do it exactly to the most capability that you can do. So here's Taleb telling us a little bit more about how we can make sure that our products are the best in the business. When you deal with an artisan, you buy a product in Italy from uh, an artisan, a family that's been operating for 200 years, they make sure that you will never have doubts about the, the you may not like maybe the aesthetics of it, but you never have doubts about the quality of the product. And, and you always have to work that way. So when you write books, when you do anything, you should never let the person have doubts about the quality of the product. So if you're not sure about something, you say, I'm not sure, it's not my specialty. Don't voice an opinion, you devalue yourself, or don't produce anything that devalues your product. Likewise, do not hide stuff. Like for example, uh, you start offering people gold, and then you start adding metal, to, other metals to it. You can do that a couple of times, and then you've destroyed your reputation and the system, because the system start pricing that. So traditionally, uh, debasing the currency is what I call in my books the cheapest to deliver. Don't give people the cheapest to deliver. Give a product that you think in the long run will sustain a normal relationship, business relationship with people. I love this idea that this economist is saying, guys, basically just be an artisan. And he's not talking about hipster coffee. He's not talking about uh, the latest skinny cappuccino, uh, latte, soy. Um, he's talking about having pride in the work. Don't cut the corners. But I think he's saying he really starts to push up against 
this devotion to the quality of the product. And I think that this is, you know, you can just imagine these family businesses that for generations have created products in, in, the, in the rural parts of Toscan. Um, you know, I can just see it right now. Um, and I think it's really just such a perfect picture of having the pride in your work. Uh, and taking the time to put in that effort. Because I think what I've always experienced is when you do that, um, people subconsciously feel the effort that you put in. And that is something that can build trust, not over the weeks, but but over the years. And I think that's such a timely reminder for all of us to be like true artisans, putting in that extra effort. Don't you, Matt? I, I totally, and, and the word that really sings to me out of, uh, out of that great summarization you just did is this word of trust. If you are dealing with a family or a, a business or an individual who you just totally trust in that space and you value their opinion and you value their product, then you feel because they're invested and because they um, you know, know all about it, that's when you start to see this connection. And I think that connection between a creator and then their product through this concept of trust, you know, that's how I receive it, uh, is that quality. You know, you're really, mm. really getting this incredible quality and whatever it is, whether it's just a strategic idea or whether it's a full-blown product, if that individual has put in the time and the effort and the love to make it in the best way possible, you do. You you just totally trust it and you know that it's the best in the business. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that that goodwill that being artisanal, uh, that, that goodwill creates. And um, I think where we're starting to go here is building this picture of, I mean, you could only really be artisanal and put in that effort if you really had skin in the game. And so I think we're starting to build a little framework here of how Taleb is really setting up um, where we need to kind of put our North Star and how we want to go about achieving our mission, uh, achieving our purpose. Whatever we're trying to do in the world, he's reminding us to put in the effort um, like a true artisan. And he he doesn't stop there. But before we get to his, his next cup. I think it's really important to remind all of our listeners, Mark, that if they're enjoying this episode of uh, Digging Into Skin in the Game by Nicholas Taleb, well, they can actually go and find our previous uh, Taleb show and many, many others. But the question is, where might they find this, Mark? Well, they can go to a lovely destination called moonshots.io. That is available on all of your devices, listeners. You can go to our website on any means that you like. All of our shows are on there. We've got archives of 88 episodes in the past, including, as Mike's just said, Anti-Fragile by Nicholas Taleb, as well as Brené Brown episodes on Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, Michael Jordan. I mean, the, the list is, uh, is pretty substantial now. And behind all of those episodes, you can get show notes, you can get links to transcriptions, as well as a few additional assets, such as the culture deck for Reed Hastings uh, from Netflix. There's lots and lots of wealth of information that our listeners can go and find. So please, dear listeners, uh, listen to our voices and go and check out moonshots.io if you want to dig into the work of Nicholas Taleb and many, many other essayists and, and innovators. Perfect, perfect. And um, while you're in this zone of learning from innovators, we're about to take it another level with Nicholas Taleb. He's talked about being artisanal, having skin in the game. What you might not expect is an economist uh, talking about the idea of honour, but through his model, through his study, his philosophy puts honour at the front and centre of how we should not only work in finance, but in transactions, moreover, in life itself. So let's have a listen to Nicholas Taleb speaking about honour. 
Why is honour, or why should honour be such an important concept in the economy? Well, I'm, I'm trying, it's, it's not, it has to be concept in the economy, it has to be concept in everything. But in your, uh, in the, I don't know if you realise in commercial transactions, you only want to deal with people who don't uh, transfer risk to others. Otherwise, the system can't function. And that was from the days of Cicero, there have been debates on what a person should reveal to you in a commercial transaction and what a person should not. Mm. You've got to realize that, unlike academia, the world of business is highly collaborative. So given that it's collaborative, it's a zero-sum gain. And if it's collaborative, it means I do not want to do transactions with you. They're not independent transactions. They're series of transactions. And, and it's an effectively in trading, they're sort of forcing ethical rule, like my word is my bond. Mm. You see, it trans I mean, it's remarkable how you see in real estate, in Aleppo or in, or in uh, central London, among the Ashkenazis or among uh, uh, the traders, sold, they do a transaction verbally, and then the lawyers take care of the details. Mm. But they're committed. The, the minute they said they shook hands, it's committed. So... And that's very important because in uh, Anti-Fragile, I think, towards the end of Anti-Fragile, I explained that the handshake with Mayor Lansky, who's a mafiosi, mafioso, a uh, big mobster, for a lot of people was vastly uh, more uh, robust than a contract, you know, was vetted by lawyers because they can always mess with your contract, but someone who has self-respect will never... Uh, uh, go back on a, an agreement. So the market economy cannot work without honor, and honor is defined as honor your commitments and don't nickel and dime people, but also don't try to have transaction with people transferring too much risk to them. Yes, so that's the definition of honor to not transfer risk towards others. At least not in hidden ways. My word is my bond. Mm. <laughs> it's great. There we go. There we go. It's, it's another, before we get into the, the content of the clip, it's another great example of Taleb as a, as a thinker and as an innovator. He's blending ancient history with uh, mafioso, <laughs> you know, mobsters, all the way yeah. through to... <laughs> with Cicero. <laughs> with Cicero. <laughs> and it's, it's this wonderful tapestry that he, that he narrates and, and, you know, verbally creates that is so spellbinding, isn't it? But actually yeah, getting, in, <laughs> getting into this content... It's, it's great because exactly as, as you set up, Mike, this honor, this idea of honor transcends everything. It's not just in investment or business. It's in everything, as Taleb says. And the detail of handshakes and the concept of and the value of respect and honor is something that we can all do in our day-to-day -day lives. We can go out in my business today. I can go ahead and talk to uh, partners and clients and colleagues in just a way that shows others that I, you know, respect them, but also in the way that I uphold the business that I'm doing, I'm doing the best I can. And as long as I do it with this concept of, uh, you know, trust again, we're looping back to that word. I think it's of incredible value to, to those around me. So if I'm doing the work, I might as well do it the best that I can. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, he, he gave us a huge clue in that. He mentioned the word collaboration. Mm. And so I don't believe there's been a time in the economy where business has been so based on collaboration, particularly the leap of faith now where we're less uh, doing less business in person. So it's super important that we pay particular attention to this idea of being, uh, act, as, as Taleb would say, acting with honour, but keeping your word uh, and keeping your promises because what he alluded to is this is the essence of good collaboration. People will want to collaborate with you if you do what you say. And if you don't do what you say, they won't want to collaborate. And the, the build that I'm doing here is if you don't uh, become a rock of uh, consistency, uh, dependability in the way you work with the people around you, I think you're putting yourself uh, in a position where you're not going to be able to succeed. You're going to have 
uh, reduced capacity be, capacity to be the best person that you could possibly be. And I think um, the the question that this brings to my mind is how do we uh, pay particular attention uh, to the promises uh, that we make. So I want to ask you, Mark, when you're interfacing with people in the US and Europe and running around and doing all the things that you do, how do you try to keep your word um, in the way you collaborate and serve this idea that Taleb is speaking about around honor? I think one of the hardest things to do in that regard is remember or track what promises and um, you know items on the agenda that you need to uphold, you know, in order mm. to deliver and deliver it in the best way possible and honor those agreements, you've got to remember what they are. And in a fast moving world like the one that we're in now, with emails, with Slack, with text messages, phone calls, Zoom calls, and many, many different points of, of business and contact throughout the day especially when we're, we're often working remotely now. And, you know, the blurs of, of nine to five are starting to, to um, like I say, blur even more than they were before. I think keeping track of what you've got to do is harder than ever. So mm. for me, the way that I make sure that I deliver and honor those agreements is by keeping a very good, I do two things, keeping a very good um grasp on what it is that I'm meant to be doing. And we've spoken about um, this concept of time blocking a lot, mm -hmm. you know, this, mm -hmm. going back to our uh, one of our beloved innovators, Cal Newport. And for me, this is something that I've really got into for the past couple of months, blocking out my diary in order to deliver on the promises that I've made. So if it is to a client in the West Coast of America, or whether it's to our friends in Europe, I'll make sure that there is time allotted in my day in order for me to create and deliver that line item of work. And at the same time as, as time blocking, I also, again, use a product that you and I have spoken about a lot in the past, which is Todoist, a great, yes. <laughs> a great collaboration tool, going back to this, this valuable word, collaboration tool that actually you can set up with all of your team members. You know, you and I can use it over here, but actually you can, you can, create and add um, projects with people all around the world. They, they, for me, that's a good way to help me remember what it is that I've got to do on that certain day. And mm. therefore, once again, make sure that I create and deliver whatever it is that I've promised. So that's, that's my little technique. I love it. I mean, I'm totally with you. I think um, having a, a very clear to-do list, however you wish to do it, uh, pen and paper or software, you choose. But I think having that is the what. Uh, I think uh, to build on what you were saying, Mark, I want to focus a little bit on the how and the why. For me, the most important thing is to revisit your to-do list, your tasks for the day, your priorities for the day, regularly throughout the day. I think it's very easy to get lost and get to the end of the day. Have you ever had this mark where you get to the end of the day and then you're like, oh my gosh, I've totally forgotten about this other thing that I should have done. Have you ever done that? Uh, have I ever done it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so I think, I think how to use a to-do list is um, really important. So I'm going beyond the transactional um, idea of honor that he talks about being open, disclosing, uh, risks, pains, and gains in a transaction. I'm going beyond that. I'm saying like, how do you build the collaboration and trust with those around you? And I think it's revisiting your to-do list regularly so that you're never in a position where, oh, there's no way I can, I can keep that commitment. And if you are in a position where you're not able to do it, it is so much better to tell someone before you miss the deadline than after. Um, and so facing uh, up to the real truth that, ah, oh, hey, I know I promised this, but there's just no way I can do it. Um, I think uh, at least taking ownership for that is one thing. Um, 
to soften the blow. But I want to go even deeper, Mark. Uh, the, the coffee's kicked in. Taleb has inspired me. I'm going one level deeper here. I think um, that let's set the scene here and find out why this idea of honour uh, and keeping your word is just so damn important. I would. Um, I want you to imagine, Mark, the feeling that you have if you're not sure if the people you're working with will do the things that they say or said differently, imagine you're in a team sport and some of the players on the team, well, they're there in the uniform, but are they really there there? And you're not sure if they're going to be there to take the pass, to kick the ball. And it creates doubt. And in this feeling of doubt, Uh, is generated particularly in the work environment a lot of stress when you're not sure if those around you are playing the same way taking the same ownership to get the same objective to get the same result what happens is you start to second guess I'm not sure if I'm going to get the thing that I need so that I can pass the baton on to the people that will receive it from me and this unknowing is, I believe, a huge cause cause of stress in the modern workplace because modern work is so collaborative, particularly if it's a sort of knowledge economy, knowledge worker kind of role or job. So if we don't keep our promises, it weakens the whole system because people spend more time and energy stressing in uncertainty because they're not sure that we're going to deliver the job. On the inverse of this, if we all step up, if we all take the ownership not to close our laptop until we have absolutely kept all the promises we said that we would deliver, all the things that we said, I'll deliver that to you before end of play. If you do this, you will inspire those around you to do this. And if they do this, they will become more reliable, as will you, and it's sort of a compound momentum effect. So you've got two choices. You can either take a step in and take full ownership for your promises, and even when the others are not quite there, you continue to do it so that you can set the example. Maybe you can even help a mentor and coach them to do it. You will create a really cohesive team because everybody is keeping their word. And this is the compound effect that happens when you take Taleb's idea and you really run with it. And here's the beautiful thing, Mark. This is the moment that we promised in the upfront. This is where Nicholas Taleb intersects with Brene Brown. Mark, are you ready for some deep uh, cross-continent connections between a psychologist and an economist? Are you ready? I cannot wait. Okay. Okay, so I want you to remember this feeling of what it feels like when you are going the extra mile to keep your word, when your teammates are doing it. It's not easy, but there is huge, huge courage required to do this. And this is where we see Brené Brown really talking to what Nicholas Taleb was talking about, this idea of honour. This idea of being an artisan, this idea of having skin in the game and what it takes. And this is where greatness happens. So without any further ado, let's have a listen to Brené Brown. Theodore Roosevelt comes up and a quote comes up. And I read it, and this is what it says. It's a quote from a speech that he gave in the early 1900s at the Sorbonne. And a lot of people call it the man in the arena speech. And this is the passage that changes my life. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done it better. The credit belongs to the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred with blood and sweat and dust, who at the best, in the end, knows the triumph of high achievement and who at worst, if he fails, he fails daring greatly. So the moment that I read that, I closed my laptop, and this is what shifted in me. Three huge things. First, I spent the last 12 years studying vulnerability, 
and that quote was everything I know about vulnerability. It is not about winning, it's not about losing, it's about showing up and being seen. The second thing, this is who I want to be. I want to create. I want to make things that didn't exist before I touched them. I want to show up and be seen in my work and in my life. And if you're going to show up and be seen, there is only one guarantee, and that is you will get your ass kicked. That is the guarantee. That's the only certainty you have. If you're gonna go in the arena and spend any time in there whatsoever, especially if you've committed to creating in your life, you will get your ass kicked. So you have to decide at that moment, I think for all of us, if courage is a value that we hold, this is a consequence. You can't avoid it. The third thing, which really set me free, and I think Steve, my husband, would argue has made me somewhat dangerous, is kind of a new philosophy about criticism, which is this. If you're not in the arena also getting your ass kicked, I'm not interested in your feedback. <laughs> Period. That's it. You know, I, I, you know, if you have constructive information, feedback to give me, I want it. And you know, I'm an academic. I'm hardwired for wrestling around with stuff like that. If you say, hey, you forgot all this literature, or hey, you should have done this, or terrible sentence construction over here. Like, let's go, let's, let's do it. I love that. But if you're in the cheap seats, not putting yourself on the line, and just talking about how I could do it better, I'm in no way interested in your feedback. Boom, Brené Brown coming at us <laughs> once again. We visited Brené probably about 25 shows ago, actually. Oh, yeah. And yeah. just so... So good. You know, the, this is one of the reasons why she's one of our, our fan favorites and, you know, best performing episodes is because mm. she, you know, comes at it with, you know, these fantastic descriptions and she totally relates it to herself, which is, which is something so um, pleasant to listen to. But more importantly, what she's saying is, boom, it's going to get tough. If you're not in the arena, I don't want to hear your feedback. I'm not even interested. You've got to earn my respect and I've got to be able to honor what you're saying mm. in order for me to listen to you. And this is exactly where Taleb's coming from. And this is why I think it, it, it's lovely to revisit in, in this show about all about Taleb, but actually to see this consistent thread between, you know, Taleb and Brené, as well as some of our other innovators, this concept of, uh, you know, vulnerability and, and, and having that courage to step in and, and go and do it. That's the innovator spirit, isn't it, Mike? It is. And it, what's so funny is when you look at, you know, uh, courage that Brene Brown talks about and daring greatly, and when you look at her talking about particularly stepping into the arena, you could almost have made that the title of Taleb's book. He's saying, have skin in the game. Said differently, he's saying, step into the arena. Mm. Yep, you're, you're totally right. It's so fascinating that they both came to the power of this idea. What is great is that Brene could go back to Theodore Roosevelt and find his quote from the 1900s. Taleb's like, oh, forget that. I've got the code of Hammurabi which goes way back to a Babylonian law system that was in Mesopotamia, 1700 BC, <laughs> which was the idea of the, uh, the fairness of exchange. What, so if you, if you needed any more convincing that having skin in the game is a universal truth, we've been playing with it now for, you know, over 3,000 years as a human race. Um, I'm pretty sure, Mark, it's a solid idea. What do you think? Yeah, I can't argue with history. You know, it's been around for 3,000 years and probably even before that, you know, going out hunting, you're only going to catch your prey if you're fully committed to it and you're putting in the smarts as well as the energy. And, you know, if we go back to uh, episodes on Michael Jordan, he put in the skin of the game by mm. always preparing it's not just mm. about turning up on the game day and or going into the arena and fighting the gladiators or going up against the problem that you might have 
on that particular day. It's all about the preparation as well, isn't it, Mike? It's about preparing for it, putting in the homework and getting yourself into the position where you can go into that arena and be the best version of yourself. And that's so totally. consistent and you know powerful as an idea. And it's just a valuable yep. reminder, really, of what we can yep. do every day. And I think that um, what is worth remembering, uh, Mark, based on what you just said, is that the choice to have skin in the game, a la Nicholas Taleb, or stepping into the arena, however you want to say it, what I like is that there's a certain honour to putting in that effort to working hard. But I think the greatest uh, characteristic that comes from this choice is the courage because you know it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard. And that you choose, as Brene Brown would say, to get your ass kicked. And to know that that is the one defining truth about this choice, it will be tough. Um, and I think this is where, for, for me, this idea of feeling satisfied and fulfilled with your effort, whether it's a workout, whether it's your work itself, whatever it is, to know that you had skin in the game, that you stepped in the arena. Uh, there's this great saying in America that you left it all on the field. Like mm. there's no more gas in the tank. You just gave it your best. I think there. this is w- moments in my life where I feel that deep fulfillment and satisfaction is when I know I gave everything I could to something that matters, um, regardless of the outcome. This is where I think we can find peace. This is where you find those moments where you're like, well, I worked my ass off. Ah, that feels good. Mm. You know? Yeah, I totally, totally agree. No matter what happens, whether you get the project or not, whether it's success for launch or <laughs> whether your business flies off the ground or whether it fails, it doesn't matter as long as you know that you put in that time and put in the hard work. It was tough, sure. But like Taleb was telling us in Anti-Fragile, go and celebrate those hardships. Mm. Have the emotional stamina to deal with Mm. it and be uncomfortable and be excited about being uncomfortable because Mm. that is where that growth comes from. And again, you know, it it, it harks me back to um, our favorite, uh, very cool friend, Wim Hof. <laughs> you know, he was telling us about this concept of being uncomfortable from a physical perspective, getting in cold showers. But again, it just all feels connected to me. You've got to show up in order to get that great reaction or response or outcome. Yeah, that's so true. That's it. It's it's really uh, that's a great s- s- summary of the first half of the show. But we have got so much more. Uh, coming. Um, And we will hear from uh, the man himself, Steve Jobs, who shares uh, a very strong belief, uh, a very strong philosophy, the same as Nicholas Taleb. Um, But before we get there, Mark, I I think we've got a, we know, you know, at the halfway point in the show, I mean, we've got the true, the true fans uh, are listening at this point. Uh, They have stepped into the arena. They have got skin in the game. And I think, you know, we've got one ask of our listeners. If you're listening at this point, if you're enjoying this idea of having skin in the game and you're dead keen to get to Steve Jobs, Mark, what's the one thing that our listeners can do to pay it forward, to, to help other people learn uh, from innovators, to share this adventure that we're on? What's the one thing we can ask them to do? to help others get skin in the game and be inspired by these innovators that we're covering each week, we request and and really ask our listeners to go out into their Apple podcast application, Spotify, Overcast, whatever it is that you're using to listen to us today, please leave us a rating and a review because it really helps get our um, experience out there to our listeners around the world. And we, we're seeing some great, amazing countries tuning in every week to hear us learning out loud. And it's fantastic to see, you know, the amazing countries of Poland, Finland, Egypt. I think we're in the top 10 in Fiji this week. 
And it's just fantastic to see all of our new listeners coming up on the charts. So thank you very much for tuning in. And if all of you could leave a little little bit of a rating or a review, it just helps us get our word out there and start welcoming in new listeners to learn from innovators with us. So taking, uh, taking the momentum from all of our listeners as they're right now, they're tapping away, they're giving stars, they're saying, love the show. I think uh, it's only fitting that we talk about um, why this idea of skin in the game matters so much and how we might go about it. So now we're going to transition into some practical things that we can do every single day and why not start? Uh, with a very moonshots-esque theme. Let's start with this idea of being reliable. So when I was a market maker, people would come to me because I, was, I tried to be reliable and I was taught by market makers to be reliable. Not the best, not the worst, but always there and, and never have huge margins, but never have too tight margins. You see, and, and it's remarkable how it works because then if you're reliable, people come back to you. So you got to do business with someone as if you will do that for generations. Right, right. As a principle, and it works. And that converges to a sense of honor you have while dealing with anyone. It's, again, this concept of people coming back. Uh, similar to the clip that we heard earlier about being artisanal and you know, putting your absolute best foot forward in your product as well as your business. You know, being reliable, whether, especially in a world like we are today with different strands of communication going all over the place and having to put our trust in, I mean, fundamentally putting our trust in team members that maybe we've never even met face to face. I know. Yeah. Having that reliability and that trust is tantamount to having a successful product or business. And you don't need to be the best. And that's what I love about this little clip. It's a reminder to say, don't worry if it doesn't come off and that project doesn't happen. If you've put in the best and you've done reliable work for those around you, you can rest easy. It's okay. Mm. Mm. And it goes back to this earlier thought that we talked about, like if you're reliable, if you're acting with this honor code that Taleb talks about, um, it will inspire others to do the same and it will in the end make your life easier because you and the people you collaborate with will all get their mojo on. They'll all put their right foot forward and they'll be reliable. They'll be great collaborators and um, they'll have that, that attention to detail, that, that artisanal effect, if you will. Now, whilst we're here at this, this very uh, powerful point where we can see how practically we can be a fortress, be reliable to those around you. Um, I think Taleb is about to take things next level and in not too long will we hear from Steve Jobs himself. But this next thought that builds on all the work and all the ideas that you've heard up until now, we're going to hear once again from this great philosopher, Nicholas Taleb, and he's going to introduce us to a new idea. And this idea is soul in the game. What's, what does it mean to have soul in the game? It's, me, it's having uh, an artisan has soul in the game. The best expression um, is uh, a Greek word called meraki. Mm-hmm. And, and it means uh, you're not doing something for the enjoyment, something even beyond. It's you love what you're doing. So uh, I was not, I'm not a fan of Ayn Rand, but at some point I remember uh, a sentence in Ayn Rand where she said, people hate you if you love what you're doing. Yeah. That's sort of soul in the game. Yeah. So you're doing something, but you have a profound love of it. And, and it, it's remarkable, you notice that if I enjoy my writing, people will enjoy reading it. But then I have to make sure there's nothing I don't like about my writing. So it has to do with pure passion. And to do that, you have to be disciplined about um, your writing. And as well, I don't write emails. I don't read emails because it debases your writing. Your writing has to be 
limited you to don't write emails at all I mean I try to have half a sentence emails uh, and even if at the expense of being rude because people send you 22 page emails mm. uh, uh, expecting 22 page answers and uh, I'm not in business of writing emails I write mm. books and usually the questions addressed in emails is present are present in my book but so but I noticed that, that those if you write a lot of emails it's not enjoyable you debase your writing so he said, no more this passion of writing. It's the same with, with anything. If you do something you don't like, it will, it will sort of corrupt your personality. So you've got to always be doing something you really want mm. and enjoy. Mm. Uh, soul of the Game is, is like, for example, I, the example of Soul of the Game I gave is once with, uh, with uh, what's his name? Um, you, you know Cabinet Makers? Sorry? It was uh, with the, the guy from Apple, uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. Like cabinet makers, when they make cabinets, there's a visible and a hidden part. The hidden part, they care about as much as the visible. Yes. That's all the inside of the, game. of the computer has to be as Yeah, and for him, it has to be as attractive inside, yes. although you had no business opening it. Yeah. For him, that was his soul in the game. And this is why we have this. It's working beautifully. It's still working 10 years after his... Experience. And people respond to products made with soul in the game because and that's artists, just human. Exactly. But both parties are happy when there's mm. soul in the game. The artisan and, 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 and the consumer. So, and then you have to write books that way. Have soul into what you're doing. And I can tell now, it's an instinct if someone has, you know, an, any kind of... The, the second order commitment to what mm, they're doing Taleb bringing it all around for mm, us the artisans mm. passion honor respect collaboration it's all coming together in this clip isn't it and you're going to put a name on it it's Meraki it's soul in the game uh, mm. whew, I mean <laughs> it's a big I one like, I like though Mike that he didn't uh, fall for the trap. Oh, it's going to be your life's passion. Mm. Your work has to. He, he, you notice, you know, he, he, he stayed away from that, which shows a certain wisdom that we heard from Cal Newport, which is following your passion is bad advice. Yeah. Following your effort, a la Mark Cuban, that's good advice. Where you feel naturally talented, where you feel rewarded where you feel joy in doing the work. And I think this is uh, really important for those of you who, when you ask yourself the question, do I feel joy in my work? Is there any of my soul in this game? If the answer is no, then you're only cheating yourself. If you're not really feeling some sense of flow in your day or at least once in your week, if it's not there, then you owe it to yourself to go on a journey and find a craft, uh, a job, a mission that you feel you're naturally matched to, or at least that something in the day feels good. And I'm not saying it, that it needs to be really easy. I'm saying that the journey and the destination create this level of satisfaction, um, maybe uh, some sense of fulfillment, because that means you're starting to follow your purpose in life. And maybe you don't know that, that's fine, but look for the things where you feel like, oh, maybe I've got a bit of a talent for this, or uh, I love this idea of we all need to find our, our you know, unique talents, our unique strengths, where, where, where do we have superpowers? And I think that's a, a great guiding light. And I, I love the idea that it's more than the reward. It's re more than the status, but this, I think there has to be something in our work that gives us this, uh, glow, this feeling of well-being, in order to I mean, we spend so much time working during the week, during the month, during our lifetimes. It's got to, you know, it's got to be worth something. It's got to have a little magic in it, don't you think, Mark? Yeah, it does. You've got to find something that you enjoy doing. What, what, what I liked about Mark Cuban was when he was saying to us, 
if you're always chasing your absolute dream job, you'll end up dissatisfied. You have a chance of ending up dissatisfied. And similar to what Taleb's saying, that'll affect your personality. And instead, if you focus your time on becoming really good at what you do and investing your time in finding joy in your Monday to Friday job or whatever mm-hmm. it is, your, your process of, of day to day, if you can find something that you really, really enjoy, whether it's exercise, whether it's reading, whether it's learning on the job, learning from innovators, <laughs> then there maybe that's something you can cling to. And you could hold as passionate and gradually mm-hmm. over time by clinging onto those things that you really, really do like, they have a positive knock on effect and you become Absolutely. more uh, in tune and more uh, comfortable with what it is that you're doing every day. Yeah. Powerful thought, this idea of soul in the game. And to round out today's show, we are going to depart from Nicholas Taleb because as he mentioned in that last clip, he spoke about somebody who had more soul in the game than any other, and that was Steve Jobs. And uh, we managed to find a clip of Steve Jobs, one of the best clips I've heard of Steve Jobs, talking about why having soul in the game why this whole entire idea matters so much. I could never do it justice, so I'm just going to let Steve Jobs say it himself. I mean, you guys, most of you have come from companies where you've had work experience, right? How many of you are from manufacturing companies? Oh, excellent. Where, where are the rest of you from? <laughs> Consul- how many from consulting? Oh, that's bad. <laughs> You should do something. No, seriously, I I, I don't think there's anything inherently evil in consulting. I think that... (laughs) I think that without without owning something uh, over an extended period of time, like a few years, where one has a chance to take responsibility for one's recommendations, where one has to see one's recommendations through all action stages and accumulate scar tissue for the mistakes and pick oneself up off the ground and dust oneself off, uh, one learns a fraction uh, of what one can. What you're, you're coming in and making recommendations and not owning the results, not owning the implementation, um, I think is, is uh, a fraction of the, of the value and a fraction of the opportunity to learn and get better. And so what, what you, you do get a broad cut at companies, but it's very thin. It's like a picture of a, I, would, I could use, I'm a vegetarian, so I won't use steak, but it's like a picture of a, of a banana. Uh, it, you might get a very accurate picture, but it's only two-dimensional. And without the experience of actually doing it, you never get three-dimensional. So you might have a lot of pictures on your walls. You can show it off to your friends. You can say, look, I've worked in bananas. I've worked in peaches. I've worked in <laughs> grapes. But you never really taste it. And, and I think that, that um, that's, that's what I think. That's <laughs> a great, great clip from Steve mm. Jobs there. And it is showing in his own words, what Taleb referenced earlier in our show, which Mm. is Steve Jobs had his soul in the game. And clearly from that speech alone, you can see what Steve valued the most was those who went out and got their scars. They stuck Mm. to for a while. They saw it through, whether it worked or didn't work. They learned lessons. They learned from the things that did work and the things that didn't work, meaning that they are a richer human being who can go into any scenario, any job, um, and be informed. You know, the, the results and the output of, you know, having your hand burnt on a stove is, is incredibly valuable, I think, for the business. Yeah, yeah. He's really, he's really warning us from the dangers of being thin, mm-hmm. right? Don't be a light touch person that's in and out, 
of this and that. Whatever your mission is, grab it with two hands, go deep and see through the entire journey because what he's basically telling us, much like Brene Brown, is that when you step into the union and really fight the good fight and see it right through, when you have skin in the game, that's when you learn the most, it's when you grow the most. Yes, it will be hard. That's why not many people do it. But this, on the other side, the great saying, if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. And I think that's what not only Steve Jobs is celebrating, but I think that's what Nick, uh, this idea that Nicholas Taleb had of skin in the game, I think that's what he's celebrating. What do you think, Mark? Oh, I, I just want to go back to why not everyone can do it. I think, yeah. I think that's so true. The reason why Steve Jobs got to, um, you know, into most of our pockets essentially is because he put in that time. He became the best and his products were, you know, um, personifications almost of, of that drive and of that opinion. And by avoiding being thin, as you say, and, you know, becoming this full, um, rich, um, non-vulnerable person, because of your experiences and, and lessons. Whew. I mean, look, it's Brené Brown telling us to get, get in the arena. If you're going to say something back, make sure that you've done the time, that you've done the hardships. And, you know, going back to Anti-Fragile last week, this resilience and hardship, go out and celebrate it because that'll lead you to the ultimate goal of being perhaps the best in the business. And that all starts by having the skin, the soul in the game. It's history. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. And I think um, there was a really uh, practical thing that I learned in the Michael Jordan show that we did, similar to that of uh, Joe Rogan, which is embracing discomfort. Mm. If you can psychologically just say, oh, I'm going to have some skin in the game, I'm going to step into the arena, and then you quickly follow that up with, and I know it's really going to be tough, or as Brene would say, it's going to kick my ass. That's okay because then when you're taking the hits, you don't run. You're just like, yeah, I know. I got to take some hits here. I got to make uh, some sacrifices. I got to work hard. If you know that that is part of the course in a strange way, hardship and challenge becomes a meter of your progress. You're totally right. So you, you, you start to realize if it's all too comfortable and too easy, how many times do we hear people say, mm, it, it just got too easy, I needed a new challenge? Because they're effectively saying, I'm not growing. Because I, I don't have any skin in the game, it's all too easy. I'm not really out there. Um, and I think what we've had today is an absolute adventure in ownership, in commitment, and even loftier ideas of both courage and honor. I think it is phenomenal that in discussing the work of an economist, Nicholas Taleb, he's been able to extract philosophies that both Brene Brown, Steve Jobs, and many others would equally subscribe to, albeit that they arrived at those points through totally different means. I think this is only a confirmation of some of the magic that you can get when you learn from innovators. So Mark, are you ready to put, are you going to double down on skin in the game? Are you going to step into the arena even further? Even further. I am, I'm getting in there. I'm starting today. I'm getting even more uh, exposed and uncomfortable and trying to really jump on any of those things that we would normally shy away from it. There's an anxiety. I'm going to go after it and I'm going to get Good better idea. because of it. Yep. Attack the fear, attack the fear. And um, you know, what was so, so crazy is just to pull one last reference is Michael Jordan said, hard work eliminates all fear. Mm, that was such a powerful lesson. Right. Such powerful. And, and it's just bouncing straight off Taleb as well. But, Mark, that brings us to the end of our adventure uh, here on the Moonshots podcast. It has been wonderful to get some skin in the game. It is such a joy, uh, frankly, to see that at this time 
we see all the magical interconnections between economists, psychologists, elite athletes. There really, really is some system that we can use uh, when we want to learn from innovators, when we want to be the very best that we can be. And I can tell you what, the next show that we're going to do we're going to go and learn from one of the super heavyweights of thinking differently. That's Mr. Malcolm Gladwell himself. Are you, you, you a bit fired up for a bit of Malcolm? Yeah, I really, really am. The first episode that we're getting into, The Tipping Point, I can't wait to get started. I've loved Taleb and I believe going into Gladwell now, I'm even more informed. My brain is in gear and I can really get into that and do the best version of looking into it as I can. Super. Well, thank you to you, Mark. Thank you to all of our listeners who hail from really some of the most wonderful uh, points on this magical world in which we live. So thank you to those of you who have joined us from Russia, Brazil, Poland, Finland, and of course, Egypt. Uh, We do welcome you to the Moonshots family. And remember, if you head to moonshots.io, you're going to find a whole bunch of goodies. But That's enough of our goodies uh, for today and the goodies from Nicholas Taleb. Uh, We come to the end of our two-part series on this great philosopher and economist. I hope you've enjoyed finding your artisanal courage and honour so that you too can have skin in the game. And if that's not enough, just put some soul into the game and you'll be next level, just like Steve Jobs. So thank you to everybody. This is another episode of the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.